Welcome to the Like, Bite, and Share podcast, brought to you by Schweiden Sons. Learn the secrets of food and hospitality marketing from some of the best professionals in the food business. Here are your co-hosts, Rev Ciancio from Schweiden Sons and Brad Garoon from BurgerWeekly.com. Hey, hi, buddy. <laughs> What's happening, Brad? How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm good. I had um, um I had to rush home to to make this podcast work today, but. I uh, I did it because I ate potato chips with tuna fish for dinner. Really? Yeah, that's how I did it. I ran into the little cafeteria across the street from work, bought a bag of chips and some tuna fish salad, and be that guy on the train eating tuna fish. <laughs> oh, have you had any burgers lately that make you feel better about your decision? Mm-hmm. I sure did. I went to Jacob's Pickles, a place that I know. I don't even want to know what you think about the burger I ate that I ate because I know your feelings on pickles. So you just be quiet and I'll talk about it. And then you just be quiet. I love Jacob's pickles, but please proceed. Right. So their burger is called the pickle and cheeseburger and it is just draped in a, in a veritable Medusa's hair, Medusa's wig of pickles. Uh, it's quite good. Um, the, the beef patty is not overly seasoned. It's pretty subtle, which is good because the cheese and the caramelized onions and the pickles are very powerful. It could use a burger lift because pickles are wet and the beef is very juicy. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. And then we also had poutine, which was a mistake because, not a mistake because it was bad. It was some of the best I've ever had, but I ate so much of it that I wasn't that hungry by the time my burger rolled around. So this is becoming a regular problem for me. And then, uh, we finished it off with some biscuit bread pudding, which was one of the best desserts I've ever had. What about you? Tell me about your burger life right now. So I don't get to give you any feedback on that. No at all. feedback, none. You don't get to talk about pickles on burger. You talk about it another time when I'm not basking in the glory of one. So quickly, I love Jacob's pickles. I just don't happen to like cucumbers, but I like other pickled items, and that's why I love that place. Anyway, I had a burger the other day that was phenomenal. Yeah, talk about it, dude. <laughs> I don't just, don't I, just say it's phenomenal. You got to say why. Well, you know this video that the Schweiden Sons put out last week to make burgers great again. Um, I've seen it. In, in the video, one of the guys talks about how he put a hot dog on a hamburger and people made fun of him, and he didn't see what was wrong with it. Well, that's been in my head for a couple months now because I've watched the video a million times, and I was like, I'm going to Five Guys, and I'm getting a hot dog, and I'm putting it on a hamburger, and I, I have to do this. And I don't think Five Guys gets the credit it's due for being uh, for offering an opulent burger situation if you want that. I got four patties, cheese between each, jalapenos, grilled onions, and I got one of those flat dogs and bacon and put it in the middle. And, man, it was, as you would call it, it was a Cronenburger, and I loved it. It was so good. It delivered on everything I wanted it to do. You didn't feel like – because I think – I like hot dogs fine, but I feel as though – they have a very distinct and very powerful taste and they stay in your gut for a while. Like you're burping up hot dog taste after you eat a burger. So that didn't take away from it at all. Well, that didn't, that, I agree that that does happen. It doesn't, it didn't happen that day. And I find that that really only happens with really cheap hot dogs. Um, and it's never happened to me at the five guys. It always happens to me when I eat kielbasa, uh, or a really crappy dog, but not, not the five guys dog. I love you, baby. But all I can think about is kielbasa sausage. The next line of the song is not appropriate for this podcast. I have no idea what you're saying, which probably means we should segue to today's interview with Alex from Smacks. 
Alex Flirta is the managing partner at Smacks Burgers and Shakes, a neighborhood burger joint in Sarasota, Florida. Smacks is part of the Gecko's Hospitality Group, a family of fast casual restaurants in Sarasota and Bradenton, Florida. Uh, Alex went from being a soccer referee to distributing wine to becoming the HR director for Geckos uh, before he took over as the head burger in charge at Smacks. Alex oversees everything that happens there, including all the social media initiatives and their daily updates. Alex, question for you. What is the hardest part about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro? And tell the truth, did you wear a hamburger shirt in the photo just to increase the likes of your selfie on Instagram? Um, admittedly, yes, of course. I did it, I did it all for the vine. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the hardest part, yeah, was fitting the, the burger suit over the four layers of ice-coated, um, you know, whatnot that I was wearing that day, and, and, and also dealing with, uh, you know, almost like frostbit temperatures and, and lack of oxygen. It was, it, was a, it was a tough day on the mountain. And what was the hardest part about, about that climb? Um, we started off at, like, midnight. So you, after three hours of sleep, after a long day of hike, and you're basically moving up the, the mountain with headlamps and you can't see but, you know, a couple of feet in front of you, and um, you're, you're freezing, you're, you're exhausted, mentally exhausted, and people are, are, are hallucinating on the side of the mountain, and, and uh, <laughs> it, it was wild. We had people thinking that there was a 7-Eleven on the side of the mountain, animals are, as rocks. It was it was something else, but I I did I packed the I packed the burger suit and um, you know I'm not I'm not ashamed I I, I did it a, a lot to do with the restaurant but um, on the other side of it too though we, we we raised a lot of money for a local orphanage in Moshi um, so there was a, it was a good message and a and a good uh, outcome for some some locals in Tanzania. That's really great. So going back to the restaurant, which you mentioned, uh, Gecko's Grill and Pub, it's been around with many locations since 92. But where did the Smacks concept come from, and is there uh, any plan to open any more of those in the future? Um, we'd love to open up some more. Um, we started probably you know, two and a half years ago is when we opened, but uh, probably three and a half years ago, my brother called me up uh, late at night. And he's, You're gonna go, we're going to go in the burger business, Alex. I'm like, all right, all right, Mike, sleep this one off. Like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in the morning. And he kept persisting. So, you know, I went up to a lot of major markets and, and you know, New York and Atlanta, Miami, L.A., Aspen, all over the country uh, looking at, you know, better burger concepts, places that were doing it right. Um, and uh, we, we decided that this is where we wanted to go with, uh, you know, making a good quality burger and, and, and honoring local vendors and, and, and good fresh produce and, and doing it right. That's where we, that's where we started from. So Smacks is not your average burger joint, and, and I've heard you describe it as like slow food served fast. Can you expand on, on what that means for the listeners? Um, slow food served fast means um, we're providing really exceptional ingredients that typically would be served at finer dining restaurants except we're doing it with lower check averages and in times where you can get out uh, you know, and, and go on your lunch break and get these, this quality fare while not necessarily breaking the bank and also doing it in a very, very timely fashion. Um, a lot of, so many people are just busy. Everybody's busy. Um, eating sometimes becomes um, just kind of uh, mechanical and, and, and boring for, for a lot of people. They're just serving just – you know, we need to get empty calories in or whatever it is. And we're trying to kind of educate people about the importance of, you know, knowing 
you know, why, why, what's the difference between a gassed tomato or a, or a locally produced, you know, head of lettuce and, and, and the taste and, and all these things that people sometimes forget about because that's what they're used to being served even at the grocery store um, these days and, and, and very other, various other places, you know. Um, and it's, it's, it's like turning the, the, the big slow moving ship around, which is the, you know, the hyper agro uh, industrial as agriculture that, that unfortunately um, is stripping away a lot of flavor and a lot of nutrients and a lot of things that are, people don't realize are very important to them in terms of health, but also in just in terms of taste. Okay, so I think that's a pretty great explanation into why you go with slow food serve fast. But it brings up an interesting question for me. You hear a lot of different fast casual, actually, the term fast casual itself, it's played out for marketing purposes in a lot of different ways. Places call it fast casual. Totally. What do you think about that? Is it important to come up with your own term that makes you stand out from the rest of the fast casual industry? Or do you think, do you worry that maybe it, it sounds too much like a marketing buzz phrase? I agree with you that it, that it is, but at the same time, us and, and, and other people in, in our segment, other, other, other restaurateurs who have the same vision, um, everybody's heart's in the right place, and we're trying to correct something. That we're, we're trying to change a path that, that unfortunately so many other you know, bigger companies have, have, have gone down. It's, it's definitely like you can see it in the, in the health of people and, and, and just what people are willing to accept in terms of you know, bland food or just you know, tasteless food um, that is served to, to the masses. So, I, yeah, I, in, in some ways, yeah, it is a little bit of a marketing ploy. And, like, I mean, obviously we want to differentiate ourselves out of any, any of the other restaurants in the fast casual segment. But really, like, we like the niche because we think that the type of people that are operating within it uh, like they know what they're doing and they're passionate and they really want to serve the best product and it's not just about crunching numbers and hitting labor and hitting you know what so, sort of you know the accountants have told them on the the food cost percentage and all these things that you know some of these other concepts that have gotten so much momentum and have gotten so big are I mean that's what they're all about it's, it's not about the end consumer it's just you know it's just numbers you know what I mean Alex, what's what's the uh, average cost of your number one selling burger? The food cost of my my number one selling burger. No, no, no like the cost to the consumer, like the oh, menu, okay. the menu price. Um, it's you know with with toppings and stuff, it's probably around six bucks. If you throw on cheese and and everything, that's that's it. I'm sure Brad is having the same reaction I am, but that's pretty cheap considering. Well, you guys probably live in New York, so that's, that's that 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 is like probably what McDonald's charges for a burger there. But um, I think Champs Elysees, the, the the McDonald's there charges a burger like a Coke for probably seven bucks. So um, it, you know, obviously regionally, um, everybody's got different pricing structures, and your rent's different, so they factor that in. But um, you know, Sarasota, even though it's got a very you know, we're, we're very vibrant in terms of our real estate. It's still never going to touch anything like what you guys are paying for per, per square foot. So when you've got brick and mortar, I mean, our costs aren't, you know, are, are so much lower that we're able to not necessarily have to pay, you know, charge our guests the same price to stay afloat as, as a typical New York venture would. So, um, I mean, you can get up into the tens. Like we've got local grass-fed bison that, that pushes up into, you know, 10, 11, 12, dollars per a burger 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like that's part of our, our goal too is like, you know, yeah, we may get dinged up on food cost percentage and, they, and, the, and it may not look good on paper for franchising out. But on the other side, you know, we're trying to make it affordable for, for everyone to come in and, and, and have this experience of a really good burger. And, and it's not going to, it's not going to, um, you know, everybody from blue collar all the way up to, you know, burger snobs are going to come in and have a great experience. You know, you just mentioned you're doing grass-fed bison and you're locally sourcing a lot of your produce. So the food cost to you is pretty expensive. Why is that such an important part of the DNA of your shop? And do you think that, that your reputation for that kind of sourcing means something to your customer? Um, I think it's beginning to, to, to um, become more important. Um, obviously, in, in, in our market, we're a little bit more laggard. Uh, and, and also, we don't have as many, much niche um, buyers is like you know in a, in a targeted market such as New York where you get so many people, so many people who are focused on different uh, you know points of interest for their for their food choices. Um, but it, you know as we're seeing you know Sarasota moves a little bit slower. It's it's more of an older demographic, but still people are realizing that the health concerns are that are behind um, buying stuff where you don't know where it's from and you don't know necessarily what's in it and all these things and like. Not necessarily every burger is a is a is a great health option for people, but um, the balance and stuff that's that that is coming into the education of our of our guests is increasing, and we're starting to see that. And you know that's why we do offer like vegan options, and we do offer you know um, healthier things like the grass fed bison is is very very lean, and 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 you know everybody gets on top of various food trends, but when it comes down to it, um, we're going to the direction of, of just being a little bit more healthy and 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 I think that's 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 greatly important to, to help differentiate us from the rest of the of our of the people that are serving within the quick service in in our in our area. So Alex when when you're putting stuff like that on the menu or you know using like the Schweid and Sons all natural ground beef the from from the Never Ever program and, and you put that on your website do people come through the door and mention that to you guys, or come, uh, mention it on social media? Like, is it a very direct response? Right. Well, um, we we kind of. I mean, even though like Schweit has their branding of like the never have I ever or never sorry the, the never ever burger. Um, we we call it a better for you burger is like kind of our take on it, and and it definitely um, it definitely like. Conjures like a, a choice there for for them to, to to make. You know, they know that down the street at the Golden Arches, they're not going to have that same um, confidence level in what they're purchasing. So, like, yes, there are people off the streets who who don't care, but like, we'd rather stick to having that program and doing what's right than you know making those. And and that's kind of what. You know, as a small, a small locally owned and operated, I mean, we're hoping to, to, to open a few more of these shops, but we have the flexibility to make those decisions and make the right decisions there without having, you know, it forced down our, our, our throats by somebody up above who says it's not making the right profit margins. But um, we do we do have to balance, obviously, like we got to keep the lights on and we got to pay the bills. Um, so it's not. It's you know we're not charging McDonald's prices, but you pay a little bit more and you know what you're gonna get. So you're not charging New York McDonald's prices. McDonald's <laughs> prices, exactly. 
No, that, that's amazing. And and to be honest, look, I, I don't think there's a, a ton of restaurants out there who are really trying to take this sort of, you know, new, progressive, uh, caring, thought out uh, approach to the way they're sourcing. And some that are, are really, really like putting it over the top. Um, some aren't really leveraging at all. And I really don't feel especially based on your menu price, that you guys are, are doing this because it's a gimmick, like it feels real. Um, does that resonate? D d does it come through that way? Yeah, yeah, and, and honestly, though, we can't force it down guests' throats. Um, the people that care about it, they ask. And the people that when they, when they get the answer that, they, that they're, they're searching, they're searching for a place in town for it, then their eyes light up and you know you've accomplished something. But the average person... Generally, in our, in our market, um, may not quite understand it, and it and it just goes by, and we just know quietly that we're doing the right thing. So, like, it, it's 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 there's a, some self satisfaction in it, and then there's also just the fact that, like, you know what, like, I can't like force people on, you know, like their health decisions. You know, like we have just the same option to eat, you know, greasy, cheesy bacon fries. Just as like you can eat like a clean burger that's you know not been touched and and you know not been bleach washed and all these sort of things uh, that that unfortunately a lot of the meat industry has been tainted with and uh, you know it, it, you can sleep better knowing that. I feel like I'm losing weight just talking about your menu. Uh, let's shift a bit to uh, the marketing side of things because you said something in the beginning of this conversation that stuck with me. You said you did it for the vine when you were talking about uh, climbing. Uh, first, is Smacks on Vine? Uh, no, we're not. I, I, we just got on Snapchat, though, and that seems to be... Okay, so that's like the next... I, I, I feel like, honestly, like we're so laggard that like you guys are like, oh, yeah, Snapchat, everybody's on Snapchat. But like down here, like all the high schoolers, the kids who work for me, they're all on Snapchat, and they're like, when are you getting a Snapchat? When are you getting a Snapchat? I'm like, all right, finally, I'll get on Snapchat. So we get that going, but you know, we do not have a Vine... Um, we've got the Instagram, Facebook, and and Twitter. Twitter is not really doing much in our area. Up in New York and in major markets, Twitter is just. I know that it's very important, but for some reason, we just I cannot get any leverage in that. Um, Instagram's going okay, but we we don't really go. Um, but to get back to what you're saying about do it for the vine, it's actually an underlying message behind it. Like I eat, sleep, and breathe my restaurant. So I mean, it's not just that I have a stake in it, and and you know I I'm an owner operator, um, you know I'm a, you know young guy just starting out. Um, so yeah, I have to. Um, it doesn't matter whether or not I'm in half across the country in Kilimanjaro. I'm still thinking about my restaurant. I'm still sending like pictures back to my employees, you know, checking in with them and making sure everything's okay. Uh, and that's what it really takes, you know, to you know I I care so deeply about what we're doing that even in my like you know, time abroad and, and doing some of these things that I do for leisure, um, and, you know, I, I still, this is the, this is my place. This is, this is what I do. Um, so, and, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I, I would, wouldn't have uh, any other, any other play, any other way. Well, no judgments on not using the vine professionally. It's, yeah, I know. I, I don't, I don't I, know how I, was, like... I was saying figuratively, like you do it for the vine. Cause like they all say that, and, it, and it's it's uh it, it's one of those things where like I've got like tons of dad jokes, and I get made fun of all the time by my staff, 
but I'm like trying to stay relevant with them by keeping up with hashtags and like <laughs> little phrases and shit they use. But like ultimately when it comes down to it, I mean, it's like you have to have fun with your social media. You have to like really, um, you have to embrace so many different viewpoints. And like since social media is such a youth targeted demo and they're the only ones that re- they're defining the, they're defining the market of what is appealing and what is fun. It's like what we post on like I post stupid Snapchat pics of my tip jar that it's like, it's like Justin Bieber versus Selena Gomez or like some like, it's like pop, you know, pop, anything that's pop culture. Like we, we like, we just have fun with like we, like I have to, if I don't create the dialogue with them and get the feedback with them, like, I'm not giving them a voice and I'm not giving them part of the restaurant that they like, they need, they deserve. And that like, you know, like I spend half the time explaining them the hospitality component, which I've learned through my experience. And then they're educating me on the importance of like how social media is. So like really I owe my social media prowess, which I don't think is that good, but you know, I guess you guys think I'm okay enough to come on, but they, those are the people that I owe it to is, is the youth generation that is, is guiding, is driving the driving force behind it. So then is that your general strategy as a brand and a restaurant that's going into Snapchat, which I agree with you is very important right now, which is going into that for the first time. Is your strategy mainly let me know what my younger colleagues are doing and push that out as much as I can? It is within reason. Obviously, we're, we're a family establishment, so um, there are certain things like, you, you know, obviously we don't want to take ourselves too seriously, but at the same time, um, they're, depending on the medium, like right now, um, the medium of Snapchat is, is more playful, it's more fun, it's more uh, transient, it, like it's not solid, it just disappears and you can move on and you can post things that evaporate in a day and like it's just a reminder, hey, we're here guys, like check us out. And, and whereas like Instagram, you almost have to put more thought into it and Facebook and then Facebook's even worse because, well, for one thing, you have to like pay money to, to even get on people's feeds. So, uh, so Facebook is almost irrelevant unless you're spending money into it and you still don't know if you see a return. Instagram still is, is almost getting into a little bit of that, but you still, you have to like almost put out these professional grade photos in order for people to really like jump on board with them. And, and honestly, as an operator, it, it, it's a very time consuming. Um, we don't have, we don't have the money, the budget to, to spend on a, on a social media team that, that can, can heighten our, our, our photography skills. Like it's just me and my, uh, one of my assistants that, that, that have access to the account. And we, you know, we spitball captions with, with our staff and, and then we go ahead with it. And it's just like, move on with the day remind people that we're here but the snapchat it, it's an interesting thing like obviously it's not as easy to follow um it's not easily to, it's easy it's not easy to link and get followers but um i find it fun because you know like you know who's seeing it you're hitting that target demo and also it's just like i think the playfulness of snapchat is like the most appealing side of it um just because you you can make little jokes and and, and little things that just you know, you can move on with and like nobody cares if you miss the mark. If you don't, if you don't derive any response from somebody, like you get, you get to do it over very quickly and there's not as many, there's not, there's not like a concrete, um, I guess like when you're looking at like like feeds and stuff like that, 
of like garnering how many likes that you think is appropriate for the, your photos, you know. Um, but I mean, I also I also have heard about the for Instagram is like we've got the other side of it, which is you've got a lot of bots on there, and you've got a lot of things that like are are your are your results actually even concrete? Are you really getting um, people to support your brand or support like what you're doing? Are are you getting your message out there, or or are these absentee bots kind of searching through tag tags just to like photos to get likes? So I, I, I know some people that, you know, work in that industry and it gives kind of you credibility when you have a lot of likes, but all of our stuff has been organic and we haven't used any of that. And like part of me is thinking like, oh, should we do that to get more credibility? And then the other part is like, does it, is it really substantive anyways? So Alex, I think there's some really, really good thinking and really good insight there. And I would agree with you about the network to network uh, a thinking. Do you set goals for your posts or maybe to each network? Like I want Twitter to do this or I need Facebook to do that? I, I haven't gone that much into it. Um, it's it's such it, it's it's kind of like a I, I mean I've I've paid for a couple of things on Facebook just for some local competitions because we you know th those help us out they get us in they get us some more exposure like for example we we won um, best French fry in SRQ magazine for the past couple of years I and mean, we only have been open for the past couple of years so every year we've won it um, but w part of the drive back is like this year for example we paid I don't know maybe forty bucks um, which you know that's that's Sarasota prices. Um, for, for people that are up in New York. Um, we got uh, 40 bucks and we got a bunch of views for basically uh, getting people to vote to, to kind of solicit hopefully a, a re-vote of us as being the best french fry in town. Um, so I, I think I kind of lost track of your, 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 the goal thing. So the that's goal, fine. You're talking about french fries and that's all I can think about now. Yeah. I, I, I think that... <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> we got killer French fries, not just burgers. But uh, the the, uh, the goals thing, like, no, I really have not set a concrete thing. Um, we are just not set up. Like, if 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 I if my only job was social media, I think I would probably distill it down to some numbers and and do a weekly count on it. And it's it's really that is a great idea. I'm sure that there are people that are already doing that um, very succinctly, and and that's how people get exposure but like I just don't have time as an operator to do that unfortunately um, there's there's the attention to business I mean like you know this is a component that we, we like to be involved with and, and it's very fun for us to, to you know it gets the creative juices flowing so to speak you know we we have this you know this fun time together to kind of talk with everybody on the staff like hey do you want to be in a picture today or hey do you want to do this and and what do you think the caption should be or like do you think the lighting's good should i try a different angle i mean we take a lot of different pictures i mean it's it's engaging but that's not the core of what we're doing it's just a medium of how we get free advertising the core of what we're doing is like trying to make sure that whatever's coming out the door is like on point every second of the day so I, I, I just don't have the time to, 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 to set goals, so to speak. Um, but maybe now that, that you've put that in my mind, I, I, might, I might have to, to do something about that. So thank you. Well, listen, Alex, I follow a lot of restaurants and a lot of food bloggers out there, as I'm sure Brad does as well. And, you know, you guys post more frequently than a lot of other places with a lot more staff uh, on a lot more networks. 
how much time do you spend in your schedule on just on social media? I guess it depends on the day. Um, I I work, you know, a lot, so um, it, it's hard to say like in my off day or in my on day, like technically when how I schedule myself in the restaurant. But I, I would say, you know, maybe fifteen minutes a day I I spend on it. Um, but but there are some days where I spend longer, and then I. And then we also do some things like on the fly where if we – and luckily we've got a lot of really sharp um, cooks back there that produce just like photo-worthy pictures. Like they're, they're, they're uh, food that, that comes out of the window, and it's like you've got these like food artists. That, and I, I've, I know some food artists who do this for a living. They, they sit there at home, and they set up these beautiful scenes, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. I want to eat everything on that plate and the plate, and 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 they have got the time, and they've got maybe some ingredients that may not necessarily even be what's used in the restaurant, and, and they have time to pick through all the lettuce to pick, you know, make sure that everything's absolutely perfect. But we have such good quality ingredients that like, and and such good guys that are back there that really care that like I'll I'll be taking pictures like right in the middle, and like it's part, partly it's like it's obnoxious. I'm sure some of the guests see it, and they're just like Alex, like put the camera away but like we we sometimes have to you know use these opportunities and, and just snap a quick picture right as we're about to pull them to, to a table because we don't have the expense budget for a social media team and we don't have the time to you know for a test kitchen to come out and, and produce these things Alex I think you're being very humble as somebody who follows you on all the social networks I think you do a, a wonderful job but if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly here it's not a you effort, it's a team effort. And so while you might not be able to just prolifically tweet and Instagram and Snapchat all day long, you're working with your staff and you're empowering your cooks and everybody is sort of a part of it. And the ethos of the restaurant is to all participate in the branding and the marketing. And would you say that's the case? I, I Wow, that's actually way better than pretty much anything I could put together in a sentence. So that was fantastic. Yes, what you said. Um, yeah, you, you give you give power, you give a voice to anybody. They're gonna want to come into work. They're gonna want to be a part of the team. Um, work ceases to become work for a paycheck. It becomes fun, and um, also for it's another angle. Everybody's got an angle. Everybody's got a, 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 a you know different walks of life of of experience of having good burgers. You know, like. You know, my my burger. You know, my childhood burger is different than your childhood burger. My my problem is different than your problem. They see different angles and they help problem solve for you. You give them a voice, and and, and that creates meaning for them. Um, and 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 also like when you when I tag a, a guy who's produced a tremendous like plate of burgers and fries all by himself, and it was just him, just one guy, just did the whole tray. From start to finish, because he's on my swing shift between, you know, my three o'clock and like he's on a three o'clock swing, so he's in between my peak hours, and he's back there by himself on the kitchen, and he takes the time, the the pride to even nail out a bang out a great ticket time, and then it looks like flawless. You're just like, you tag him, and then it, he's like, wow, all his friend, he can tell all his friends, listen, you know what? I was, I'm a part of this, and I just crushed, like, look at those burgers. Like, you would eat every single one of them on there if you'd given the opportunity. There is obviously, like, consistency um, throughout even the busy, busy periods, but when you've got that, 
you know, even in a slow time, like you're by yourself and you're, you still have a target ticket time. You're still trying to produce it quickly and you're by yourself. That's, it's very challenging to, to work three different sections of a line and still create a product that you're, everybody's proud of, that I'm proud of, that my person who takes it out to the table or myself takes it out to the table is, is proud of. And it also ends up on our social media. So like I, 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 I do, I, I love that aspect of it. Alex, are you responding to and reading reviews? Are you talking about like Yelp or yeah, like so Google? Yelp or Facebook or whatever the case may be? I do. If it's really bad, um, I do. I do reach out, and I, again, we're we're small enough to where like I don't think that we we sh like. I, I it was funny actually that you mentioned that. I looked on Facebook the other day, and they added a new feature saying like, if you look on somebody's website, it'll tell you their page if they respond to messages and how frequently and I noticed on our Facebook it turned turned up said will respond within like an hour so like that Facebook has metrics on like how quickly you're able to turn around so if we get a bad review on Facebook um, we tr we try to like address it and we try to make it right um, and uh, you know it does give us an opportunity to learn and, and improve um, if you know, I, I, I want th those people's voices to be heard just as equally as people that are producing the food, um, because those are the people that have made the decision to um, to to take the time out of their day to to visit my restaurant, my home. Um, so, yeah, I, I try to answer as many as I can. Um, usually, it's personally me. Sometimes I get help um, from my assistant and even from my other partners and we have a PR director for the geckos group that sometimes will help me out if I'm like indisposed or whatever um, but yeah I mean people you know if somebody's gonna take the time out of the day to write you I think that you should respond uh, the best that you can um, I don't know what's going on with them in their life it, you know having a, a, a you know a, a bad burger once in a while like isn't the end of anybody's world so like sometimes the responses that we get are, are, are very emotional um, but you know I, I, I look to turn around anything uh, anytime anybody has a, has a bad experience. I'm glad you brought up the Facebook respond metric that they display so that gives I think restaurants and I think you, you mentioned this, it gives restaurants an incentive to, to respond. What about on Yelp? Does, do, you, do you find that responding to reviews on Yelp has helped you reputation-wise? I don't know. I, I honestly, I think that's really hard to, to quantify, qualify. Um, you, you, I mean, we, we get four and a half out of five. I think that's like fairly good. They still, I mean, Yelp called me today to advertise. Uh, I have still not advertised with Yelp. Um, I know that they're part of a big, you know, like a lot of it's a double-edged sword with Yelp. If you're doing well, then it helps push traffic on the other side. Um, sometimes it doesn't really give an, an accurate, you know, picture of, of what's going on with 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 the restaurant. Um, Yelp, I think, is a very convenient thing for people to use um, if they don't know anybody in a in a in a town that they're visiting. But like from you know, anytime I go to New York. I'm not. I'm not looking for a Yelp review. I'm asking my friends and my family that live in New York where what's cool, like what's some experience that I need to have. Like they know my taste. Everybody's taste is different. Um, so like it, it's funny. Like some of the things where I see these things recirculating on Yelp. There was a one not too long ago that I saw. They went on Facebook about 
uh, kind of a burger dive bar in New York where a gentleman, you know, responded to some irate guest who had a, a loud music experience. And it was, it's one of these like kind of allegorical stories where it's like, the woman went in there with with expectations that it was going to be quiet, unreasonable expectations of what the restaurant was going to be, and then rated unfairly, based off a set of assumptions that like that place would never ever honor. And the rest, the, the restaurateur actually took the time out of his day to respond, saying, "Hey, we appreciate you you rating us, but like this is never going to be us. And come in for a drink. I'm, I'd like to have a drink with you sometime. And you know what? You're still that." That guy out of New York, where he probably gets so many more views that it, it takes a lot out of his day to address them. Moreover, more than, than than a small shop like mine does in Sarasota, Florida, um, you know that that speaks volumes of of him as a restaurateur, as a person, and you know, like I don't know, I had a, I had a lot of respect for that. But it's also one of these things where you're like, okay, it's again one of these illustrative points of the double-edged sort of Yelp. Um, you know, we all love four out of five or five out of five, whatever the review is that like you think is a comfortable star rating. But like, are you really gonna use them? Like, I mean, like flipping that back on you guys. Like, do you guys really use Yelp? Um, do that? Does Yelp pay you to say yes? <laughs> I, well, hold on. I don't have an answer to that, but I just want to bring mention, and I'm sure Rev will chime in. I love that you just brought up that story. So Rev and I. It hasn't aired yet, but we were on a different podcast talking about that very Yelp review with a guy in California. So that's how much power this has. You know about it in Florida. The student in California asked us about it. It's caused so much conversation. I had never heard of this bar story came out, and now I've heard about it twice in the last week. It could, be ma it could be made up for all we know. It could be totally made up. It could be one of those things where if we actually took the time to look past that first little article and, like, some magazine, online magazine that we, you know, we we're not even aware of what it is. Um, but 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 the point is, it's allegorical. It's it's speaking to a a point of like when Yelp fails and when people, um, I guess, have mismanaged expectations of what your your place is going to be. And sometimes that happens to us, and and that's where you know we hope to address it and fix it and make people feel like they're not getting burned, you know, like, you know, not, we're not, we're not a, a Burger King or a McDonald's, like, you're, you, you're not going to get, like, that type of food here at my place that you do there, you're not going to spend the same money, like, you know, uh, from down the street at McDonald's as you do at my restaurant, you're going to spend a little bit more, it's just plain and simple, so if your expectations are you're going to, you know, you're going to walk out of there and, like, 30 seconds with some piece of meat that's been rehydrated, then like this is not the place, but you're also not going to spend, you know, 99 cents on it. So yeah. that, that restaurant, by the way, is called the Iron Horse. It is the and, Iron Horse. That's yes. Right. And to, to what Brad was saying and the point you're trying to get to. So yes, here we are talking about it and yes, it got lots of press, but it was actually originally reported in London. So think about that. The impact of, of that guy replying to one person got picked. Obviously, that person saw it. She probably told her friends, right? The bars, the bars, Some of the bar's patrons probably saw it, so it had a local impact. Somebody in London wanted to write about it, and now you're in Florida. We talked to somebody in California, and I think it goes to a point we, we talk about on the show here a lot that, like, 
you can spend a lot of time on social media and then a lot of people sort of ignore the ratings and review side of the business, but it sounds to me like it's part of your mix. You spend time on that and it, it does uh, it does drive some of your business and sort of helps to fashion who you are in terms of customer service. Right. No, I mean, it, it does. It, 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 it definitely gives you thought about, you know, like the human side of it a little bit more instead of just getting caught in the numbers or just like the us versus them mentality that I think some restaurateurs get into with people who write snide reviews or highly emotional reviews about your place. Um, so like I try to take out some of that um, as best I can because like honestly when I first started the restaurant like I sucked. Like I was terrible as a, a you know at managing. I was uh, we were not doing you know what we had envisioned. It was very we didn't have the systems in place that helped you know facilitate everybody's knowledge of the product and, and we weren't conveying the brand message. I mean all these things that were just not quite you know up to up to our standard what we wanted we in our vision. But like we were getting hammered on on reviews and like not necessarily just well it wasn't so much on reviews but like you know you get guest feedback like you 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 messed up today and it was a lot and anytime you got a Yelp review that was out there for the public that was more concrete and like readily available for masses you get that and it's like a it's like a dagger to your heart and you go home and like I would I every time I got a, a Yelp review and it would hit my phone and I would see it and if I saw three or less. It literally like my anxiety and my blood pressure would just like my head would start pulsing and I was just like god this is just you know and we're already burdened with the fact that you know I'm working 100 hour work weeks you know like the, the stress is, is tremendous and then we've got some guy that or a woman or whatever who, who's decided that they're the professional critic of your place and now they're gonna like ruin any chances of you of, of making like you know a, a a better attempt the next day because they've already turned away any potential future guests because of their review. So it is a challenge to me to get better as a restaurateur, but it also like during my early days, it, it was very hurtful. Like it was like to your soul gut wrenching some of these things that you would get on, on and not just Yelp, but Facebook or whatever. Um, well, Alex, it, it it sounds like you know you you care about the restaurant. You lived and you learned and you, and you've expanded, and it makes you a better restaurant too every day. And I thought I started maybe to hear your blood boil a little bit in there as you revisited some of those Yelp memories. So so with that, let's segue to something a little more fun. <laughs> let's let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> you've some oh great no, it's like it's like Vietnam flashbacks, like throwing <laughs> the trees. Uh, Alex, we, we end our show every week with the same three questions, and we're going to start it with speaking of a flashback uh what was your favorite burger from childhood okay um well part, part of me is is a little embarrassed to admit this but I'm, I'm 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 actually nostalgic about uh the wendy's double cheeseburger um you know i i had it plain with just basically cheese and ketchup and a frosty and it was with my dad um with like every you know three or four times a week after soccer practice I think that their product has changed, and that's why it's like slightly embarrassed me to like you know reminisce on that. But it's like uh, you know it's like that's the they used to have a really good quality product, and then the stuff kind of just changed. Maybe maybe you're gonna have to censor out Wendy's because you you're not allowed to 
No, we get a lot of we get a lot of fast food people. It usually has to do with their uh, relationships with their fathers. I think Damon Lindelof was really onto something with all this bad dad TV stuff. But um, but Alex, what is your favorite burger now that isn't at Smacks? Favorite burger now that isn't at Smacks. Oh man, that is a really tough one. There is a local. Um, pub down the street from me called Shakespeare's that I go to frequently and they have this Bombay burger which has like curried spices on it and it is tremendous. Um, they have it like on specials like almost every week and then they also have, if you guys think that like our prices are, are you know very fair like their, their craft beer prices, they serve like imperial pints and they and you wash it down with a nice uh, you know craft beer it, it's tremendous. Like you're, you're, you, you'll walk out of there like twenty bucks. So I, I guess that would probably be. That. I mean, like I, I go up to to your market, uh, up in New York, and and I've had some great burgers up there. Um, you know, everybody's. It seems like everybody's like going on over the Mineta Tavern, and there's a lot of other ones up there that 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 make their marks in the the, the food and beverage journals and 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 on social media, but um. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can you can turn the corner around the street and and still find some really really good stuff that is is kind of not so overexposed, and you won't have to pay thirty dollars a burger on it. Oh, I wish, um, Alex. Last question: We ask everybody. Very curious what you have to say about this. What is one piece of advice you'd give to someone in the food marketing business? I think you gotta focus on your demographic. Um, you know, different social medias and marketing mediums have different reach so you have to kind of adjust your angles to those markets I, I, I mean it's uh, you know like I like in, for my example like I use my employees for help uh, to, to, to hit the mark on things and, and it's not always easy but I find that they're a very helpful barometer to use that younger community because they know so much more about technology and, and like as new generations are piling in and, are, and, and technology is such an integrative part of everybody's lives, they know uh, like vastly more than and, – and, and we're becoming almost dinosaurs overnight because of the, the speed at which you know, that they're, they're getting hit with technology and the trends are changing. So um, I, I guess the other side too, like you know, bigger picture is like you've got to include everyone as a part of the of the discussion and, and get their feedback. Um, it's very important um, to to get the different angles to create those campaigns. Um, so it's not all about what you and what you like. I mean, I'm a I'm a food and wine snob, but like you know what, most people aren't, and you got to get it from all angles in order to be successful and, and, and make your brand approachable and fun for everybody. Uh, Alex, that's awesome, man. Uh, really appreciate that. Really, really great advice here today. Can you tell people where they can find out more about you? Well, we have we have our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and then we just got Snapchat. So we're at Smacks Burgers on, you know, you can just search us um, on those mediums. So come check us out. Follow us, please. Um, and we, uh, we appreciate you. You guys listening to me yammer on about our little local burger joint. Much appreciated. Thanks so much for being on the show, Alex. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Like, Bite, and Share. We hope you found today's interview insightful. 
If you didn't get a chance to write down everything, no worries. We take the show notes for you. Go to schweidandsons.com slash podcast to find them. If you enjoy the show, we ask for one favor, and that's please give us a rating in iTunes. That helps us to spread the word to others who might find this valuable like you do. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a future episode featuring helpful tips from other professionals in the food marketing business. Stay hungry.